Hi guys and welcome to episode 33 of the Nintendo Village podcast, your weekly half hour Nintendo show. I am your host, Phil Myth, and I am joined by my brother from another mother, Mr. Gary Gray. How are you doing, fella? There. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Good, good, glad to hear it. Uh, cool show for you this week. We had some big news last week with the announcement of Paper Mario, the Origami King, so we're going to be sharing some thoughts on that. Uh, we also, well, one of us played Mario and Rabbids after we promised we would last week. You can guess who. Yeah, and we're going to have a chat about Nintendo's sort of back catalogue and what our preferences for how it should be played these days. So stick around for a lot of cool stuff. So we'll kick off with the news then, and the big news, of course, is the reveal of Paper Mario the Origami King. Nintendo dropped a trailer for this uh, last week, totally out of the blue. Obviously, there's no Nintendo Direct, according to reports, planned for June. So it looks like we're just going to be getting these like big bombshell drops littered around, dotted about, as and when Nintendo feel like it. Uh, first thoughts on this trailer, Gary? I love it. I think he looks really, really good. Like I, I think that I missed Color Splash, right? It does look a lot like Color Splash. Um I I missed Color Splash basically because um I was more into the 3DS at the time and I had a massive backlog, so I was like, I can afford to miss this one because I didn't like Sticker Star too much, which I think is a common thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not that I really think the Sticker Star was a terrible game. I think it was literally a kid's game. And uh I think it was a bit thin because of that, especially in the combat system. Um, so I'm hoping that this is more aimed at a, an elder demographic who can understand things with brain power and that we get a bit more of a robust, um, closer to an RPG-style game than uh, than we have in the last couple of uh, iterations. Yeah, I think, just certainly on the combat, it looks like it's going to be a little bit more involved. I think Game Explained did a breakdown and figured out that the whole, like, card or sticker mechanic thing has been done away with and you just like have your standard moves again like you did in like thousand year door in the original game um i i actually quite enjoyed color splash the card mechanic for the battling was kind of broken and kind of pointless like you didn't need to paint everything and all the things like that but it was i think it was one of the prettiest games on the wii u i thought it looked really well like all the colors really popped and it was full of that like fantastic paper mario charm and writing and personality um, is one of the few games, all the Paper Mario games, are some of the few games that I genuinely laugh out loud quite regularly at. Um, and this seems to be the similar sort of thing. But yeah, the combat system in this, I think, does look like it will will require a little bit of brain power. Um, and I really like the look of that, the whole uh, ringed mechanic where you have to like line enemies up and there's like a timed element to it as well. I think it looks really, really cool. I'm really excited for it. And we've only got like two months to wait until it comes out. I know. That's great, right? I love this, this like drop and oh, it's coming. It's fast. Like I've always enjoyed that more than the like seven year hype cycle from some of the E3s that we've had in the past. And, uh, you know, it's another intelligence system game and intelligence systems can do some amazing things, especially when they get set free a little bit more. And uh, they've had some really good games, which which people have overlooked. Like uh, one of my favourite games on the 3DS was uh, Codename Steam, and mm-hmm. that had quite an interesting like battle mechanic to it. So hopefully, this is something unique and a bit clever. Yeah, definitely. I think it looks great. Uh, it's interesting actually that it is coming so soon in July. If you think this was originally going to be an E3 announcement, that would have been announced 
in at like the 12th of June or something around that kind of time and then released a month later. I actually think that this was going to be a direct reveal um, last month. So I think when we got that mm. mini direct, I actually believed that there was going to be like a big direct, not the mini one. Mm. Uh, and then obviously Nintendo calculated what was going to happen and gathered that, that you know there was going to be pretty much a worldwide shutdown because of COVID and decided to spread their first party titles throughout the summer in sprinkles. And I think that we're still going to see that. I don't Do think you... it's going to be as much as they originally planned, but I still think they're going to sprinkle them out. Do you know what? I think you might be right there because that was quite a meaty mini direct and so i could see them potentially originally planning on maybe having origami king as like the sort of stinger tease right at the end and then revealing a, a lot more at e3 perhaps and having that been a big focus at e3 along with all the other mario stuff that is rumored to be coming so yes we're very excited about paper mario uh not long to wait until we get our hands on it so looking forward to that um related to the covid19 situation as you mentioned um, in Nintendo's investors Q and A, uh, they've said that the restrictions, if you like, from working from home and those practices that they've had to implement in the wake of the pandemic are, or will, or are having a large impact on development schedules. So it's going to be interesting to see just how many more announcements like Paper Mario we get throughout the year, and just how big of an impact, and how many games get pushed back and delayed, and things like that, as a result. Yeah, it's um, it's one of them things, isn't it? Where like obviously most people are trying to work from home if they can. Um, there is um, studios famous for doing that. The makers of the Ori games or in the Blind Forest, uh, famously live all around the world and uh, remotely develop the game in their own houses and then put the thing together at the end. Unfortunately, I don't think Nintendo quite works like that, and a lot of big developers tend not to so yeah i think it's inevitable that things are going to get pushed around and delayed and uh i think rightfully so as well i think that human life is worth much much more than any game reveal oh yeah absolutely um but we did get a few other game reveals this week nintendo have dropped another four games for the nes and snes switch online services uh they will be out today when you're listening to this podcast tomorrow for when we're recording uh, there are three for the SNES. There's Operation Logic Bomb, Paneled Upon, which is the Japanese version of Tetris Attack. You may know it as. And Wild Guns. Did you play any of those? Familiar with any of them? Nope, 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 nope. nope. Not no. at all. I mean, the thing is, is like NES and Super NES, I, 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 was, I wasn't into. Um, I basically didn't have one. Um, my first Nintendo console was a Game Boy and, and then N64. So I missed that era completely. So... There is a lot of games that I want to go back to and play, um, stuff that I haven't heard of just to try out. But when these new games get released, I don't think the vast majority of people have heard of them, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, because I've not heard of Rygar on the NES either. No. No, but um, also, I don't know if like Tetris Attack had quite the same cultural impact here as it perhaps might have done in the States. I saw a lot of people sort of American people that I follow on Twitter and things are actually quite excited about Panel the Pond and Tetris Attack coming to the service. That seemed to be the one that people were most hyped about, but I didn't see quite as much hype from people based in the UK. So maybe it's a, a transatlantic thing. But still, nevertheless, it's good to see those services being updated and some more stuff there. And the same as you, my first 
I, ha- I did have an NES. That was my first Nintendo console, but I was like four or five at the time. Didn't know the game, like how the whole thing worked. I just got given a box with some games that I could play on it and didn't realize there were really more you could get until I was much older. And by that point, the N64 was just about to come out. So I got an N64. Um, so I'm the same as you. There are games on there that I need to go back and play that people will shout at me because I haven't played things like Super Metroid and Earthbound and things like that. Um, which I do plan on doing, and I do plan on getting around to. And I've got a SNES Mini Classic as well, which I could play those things on, which I just haven't done as yet. Uh, but yeah, good to see Nintendo updating those things. And so that leads us on to our topic for the week. So, yeah, I mentioned briefly there the um, SNES Mini, the classic thing. Obviously, that's one way of playing these games. We can also play them via the Switch Online service. Or on previous systems, we could play it on the virtual console, which basically you just bought these games piecemeal as and when you wanted them. What's your preference on how we have access to these old games? Do you like having that little plug-and-play thing? Do you think this NES Flix-type setup is the best way to go about it? Or would you rather Nintendo just had the retro section on the eShop and you could just go and buy whatever you wanted? I don't like virtual console. And I know that's heresy to say on the Nintendo podcast, but it was so expensive to buy a lot of games on it. And yeah, okay, you get to pick and choose a few, but look at the Switch's collections now that you get, right? You get these retro collections drop, and they go into a sale, and you can pick up like every Mega Man game for like six quid. So uh, for me, Virtual Console is not the way I would choose. I do like the mini consoles, but they are limited on games. Um... And I do like the Switch Online services an idea. I don't really boot it up that often. And I think one of the reasons is because you have to go into the app to see the games. I would rather the games be just be on the home screen. Like, um, So uh, you've heard me say it before, but I'm a big fan of Game Pass on Xbox. And I really do believe that Nintendo should do something like that. If they don't do it for their first party, then at least do it for retro and indie. Uh, or one for each, maybe. It's a lower price, whatever. Um, but I think that you I mean, need... That's the... ca- I, sorry, I, I do believe that you wish to... Uh, you need to have the ability to add each game to the home screen because that's why I don't play it very often, just just overlooking it. Like When you see them there, like, yeah, I'll jump into F-Zero for a couple of minutes. Yeah, and I think like, basically that I'm calling it a Netflix, but like the the apps that is essentially the same setup as Game Pass, right? You're paying mm. a monthly subscription service and you can play all these games, but you're right in that having them behind, like I suppose they're kind of in their own folder almost, if you want to look at it that way. But yeah, there's less of the impulse kind of thing. Oh yeah, I'll jump on there unless you physically, or maybe you and me are just really lazy. I'm yeah. sure there's plenty of people I'm out sure there we are, yeah. who, who do jump in and have a scroll through and think, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a play on that. Um, uh, but quickly, just before we get onto your opinions on what you prefer, mm-hmm. uh, there is uh, some things that people don't talk about with the Switch Online app and the retro gaming especially. And one is that you have a time period where you have to have logged in um, before it locks you out of the games. I went to Spain <laughs> and I couldn't play any of the games. Because it locked me out of them. Why Why not just give me the option to download them? Next time I connect to the internet, if I haven't paid, you delete them. Um, also, 
like it's really great that they have these added features but they don't work very well like the multiplayer and stuff like there's a lot of latency and stuff so i think that like it depends on how you're talking about the service like it needs to be more of a service than like a freebie which it feels like at the minute Mm. um and i think that the whatever they're called the special editions of the games um had some promise but let's face it they're just other people's save files and they're not very good because of that uh so I would like a full, robust service, an actual service, done the right way. Um, and I, I don't feel that... I think that like it's the nearest to my preferred way to play at the minute, but the Switch Online app just doesn't doesn't nail it at all. So what about you? Like, Are you the same as me, or do you, do you prefer the little boxes? So I, I did pick up a, a SNES Classic, but I feel like it was more for the... It was more of the collector in me that was buying it than the person. But saying that, I, do you know what? It's weird because I don't know if if and when I do actually get around to thinking, right, okay, I'm going to go and, and play Super Mario World now. I don't know whether or not I would play that on the Switch purely because I don't have a SNES pad for the Switch. Whereas like, I feel like that touch and feel and having like a proper SNES controller to play those games with is a big part of it, and that's a big part of the appeal. And like maybe if I'd bought those Bluetooth SNES controllers that uh, my Nintendo were doing, or if I had an 8-bit dough, I'd be more inclined to pick it up and play it on Switch. Um, I think to your point about the service kind of lacking at the minute, I think you're right. And it's it's weird because Switch Online the main appeal of it really is those retro games. Like that's the biggest selling point of it as well as being able to play like, you know, Mario Kart online or whatever and access those online features. The, the bit that says like, okay, this is why I'll pay the money is because it has all those games on there. Even though that's not the main point that Nintendo, uh, um, what's the word? Promoting, if you like the, the main hook of Nintendo switch online and so, yeah, it's it's kind of set up as a bonus feature. And so that's why some of the services in there are lacking a little bit. And yet it could potentially be, and maybe should be, the main selling point of it. Yeah. It, also, I mean, it price is a weird one, right? Price is a strange thing to talk about because the Switch Online is cheap. And... Yeah. Um, but again, it still feels like a throwaway, like, oh, this will keep them quiet <laughs> sort of uh, service <laughs> rather than like an actual like fan service. You know, the just... thing, I would I would much rather not have the NES and Snares online stuff, pay the same amount, have to buy those games separately and have a decent online service. Yeah. Like if I paid £20 a year, whatever, or double it. I'd rather pay 40 quid a year, buy Super Metroid for five or six quid on a virtual console type thing and be able to play Smash Online without wanting to tear my hair out. Yeah. And be able to talk to my friends natively on the Switch without having to boot up my phone and use a stupid headphone splitter and all this kind of nonsense in order to play online. And so I think that Ness and Snares Online at the minute serve to make you comfortable with paying 
what it is we have to pay, which isn't a lot, admittedly, to play games online because the online is so janky. Now, going back to comparing it to Game Pass, it is a different service, right? And Game Pass has got first-party titles for Xbox, which are day and date when they come out. And I think that, like, even if Nintendo didn't do it for that, which I think they should, and it was just an Indian retro thing, right? You actually need the option to buy the game separately because one of the main things that, that, that those sort of Netflix and stuff do is they come and go. The games will come and go on Game Pass. So you you have a limited time that you can play them. You can buy them at a discount if you're playing them on there and then they disappear. So it's actually a mix between um, the service that we've got at the minute and the virtual console. And the reason why I like the fact that their games drop off, which people, you know, complain about on Netflix, they complain about on Game Pass, but it gets you to play the games. Yeah. I play games on the Game Pass knowing full well that I might not get the chance to in six months' time, where on Switch, when I buy the game sometimes, I'm like, eh, I'll leave that for a bit. And then three years on, I still haven't picked up arms again. (laughs) (laughs) So so I think that that urgency that you need to play it or you need to purchase it now is, is another added incentive. And let's face it, I mean, they make more money doing that right because they can then sell the game to you again for like, say, £3. Say you buy Metroid... The original Metroid on the NES for three pound in a discount. It's five pound if you don't have the service. Six pound if you don't have the service. Whatever it is, right? They they make you even more money again. So it actually yeah. works both sides, right? As consumers, we get a better service, we get a better everything. So I'd much rather do that. As for the mini consoles, I really liked them, and I do prefer playing the games there. I do have a eight bit though pad for the um, Switch, but again don't like it that much because i don't like the service as much i i don't know what it is but like n- the borders you can't you not uh, no option to stretch the game you've got none of these features which stuff like sega put into their um their collection where you've got like pixel perfect modes smoothing modes whatever backgrounds you want music options button reformatting all this stuff like nintendo missed the whole thing with that so Basically, what I'm saying is, I would really like Game Pass for indie retro, even if it's just retro, as long as it's cheap enough, but it's actually a service and not just a load of games dumped on there with a time limit on it. Yeah, it's interesting because at the start of this conversation, as we went into it, I was kind of thinking, yeah, do you know what? The the Netflix model is the best way of doing it. And by the end of our discussion now, I'm kind of like, no, actually, do you know what? I want to be able to just buy the ones I want. And if Nintendo released an N64 classic tomorrow, I would pre-order it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, realistically, <laughs> they can do all these things. Yeah, right? because, yeah, yeah, because I'll I'll pay for them all. There is a market for every <laughs> single one of these things. There's a market for the console. There's a market for virtual console. And like I said, as Game Pass, which is essentially Netflix, um, that actually goes hand in hand with the virtual console. So there's absolutely no reason why they can't just do it all. Um, yeah but so yeah. there you go nintendo if you're listening the answer is all three please and i will pick up my check next week thank you very much please and so we'll wrap up the show this week with some games we've been playing last week we discussed what we had in our backlogs and we said we would go away and play Marion rabbits i did that <laughs> <laughs> you did i did you didn't have time did you no i basically i 
I went onto there and it had archived because I've got my switch to auto archive. So if I don't play something, it just gets off my um, memory so that when I want to play something, you know, I have memory. I don't have to shaft stuff and delete things or buy a terabyte card because I'm not a millionaire. So um, while I was downloading it, I'd already purchased a game for 94 pence using gold coins called Unholy Heights. Why did I buy Unholy Heights? And what is it? Is what I'm sure you're asking, Phil. Um, I'm pondering that right this second. Well, it was the description of the game that drawed me in. You play as the devil who has brought an apartment block (laughs) and decides to house monsters to pay rent for profit and they will also fight off humans. So he's basically planning world domination one apartment at a time. So is this a Sim City style management sim or is it a tower defense game or it's is it both? Both. <laughs> so basically cool. you have one view which is an apartment block. Right? Mm-hmm. That's it. You don't see anything else. Just the apartment block. You don't see in the apartment or anything. One view. Static. Um, and you basically get monsters look at the board if you've got houses available and say I want to move in or not. And like you have to quickly decide whether you want them to move in or not because of the way that they are. There's different categories. Um, they all vary in strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that, like individually as well, even if they're the same type of monster. And uh, then you have to sort of kit out the apartments for those monsters. So you'll never get one sort of monster if you haven't got an apartment that's kitted out for the thing that they like. And um, there's also a little bit of... Um, politics involved in it as well for an example there's demons which they actually like it when other tenants die and you've got um like demi-human things which are like centaurs and stuff like that and they hate demons and vice versa and also they prefer it when people stay alive but if you've got both of them in the apartment block they hate each other so they just don't get along so it's it's really strange game and at first i was like i'm not sure if i like this it's not very <laughs> good and then before i knew it mario rabbit's kingdom battle had downloaded and my switch battery was dead so <laughs> i actually played the switch to death on it and it's not a taxing game so i must have been on it for like four hours five hours yeah uh, i really enjoyed it and it, it's for 94 pence it's a recommendation right it's not a it, game, it's not a game that's gonna blow your socks off a lot of people might dismiss it as junk, and I could see why if they did. But me personally, for ninety four p, that was it. Good times. There's there are some, and certainly when there's eShop sales and stuff on, there are some really like cool, quirky little games that you know they don't have a ton of depth and stuff to them, mm. but they they're a good like fun time. One of my favorites from the early days on the Switch was a game called uh, there was thirty seconds of midnight. 36 to me, yeah. I Th- sorry, that one, yeah. no, sorry, 30 fragments of midnight, sorry. Yeah. And basically. I, I in the band, 30 seconds to Mars. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's where my brain was at. Um, But yeah, and it was, it's like a procedurally generated thing, and it was a very, it was kind of like a silhouetted platformer. So, like, the foreground, like, the platforms you're on are just like solid black, but it had like a cool sort of moonlit background, and you played a little white square called Midnight. And you had to run around this procedurally generated thing and avoid spikes and buzz saws and lasers and collect these 30 star fragments. And that was it. And you could do a run if you got good at it in like a minute and a half. But I played that game 
quite a lot. It was a, just a fun little, like, oh, just dive in, I'll do a couple of runs and jump back out again. It was a cool one. Like I say, like, if you were downloading something, it's like, oh, I'll just jump on that and play that for a couple of minutes whilst the game's downloading. And uh, the other one I picked up recently for Dirt Cheap, it was like a pound, which I haven't actually played yet, but I know you're a fan of, is uh, is it Hyper Sentinel? Hyper Sentinel, yeah. So basically it's uh, the son of uh, who created it of a, a guy who made a, uh, the original game <laughs> to it on the Commodore 64 which right. uh, I can't remember the name of at the minute Uranium I think it's called oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uranium something like that and uh, it's basically a spiritual successor to that and again like I paid £11 for it I think it was full price but like it, it's it's less than a pound at the minute and like for that if especially if you liked our retro talk earlier go download it what are you doing with yourself? Because <laughs> it's a good little, it's a good little game just to keep you occupied for a while, right? And another one for me was Super One More Jump, which I picked up for ninety nine p, and yeah. that was really I good. Think I, I think I did the same. In fact, I think you picked it up for ninety nine p, and then you messaged me and said like, Super One More Jump's ninety nine p, you need to get it. Yeah. And I did, and yeah, that's another one that I just kind of, it's just kind of like an endless one of the like one button platformer type thing, isn't it? But again, another one that's just fun to dip in and out of. Um, but yes, I did play My Own Rabbids uh, for a couple of hours. Uh, and my big takeaway from it is if there's one feature that I want in video games, it's uh, last week on My Own Rabbids feature or whatever that basically tells you what you did, where you were, what the controls were, what your objective is, and like what you need to do, basically. Because I booted it up and I, it must have been... I reckon it's at least a year since I booted my rabbits up, to be honest. And I was in like the middle of a level somewhere. And like, to give you an idea of how long it had been since I booted it up, it wouldn't let me boot the game up until I'd updated it. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't one of these where like, oh, there's an update available, but do you want to play the game? It's like I literally couldn't boot the game up until I'd run the update. <laughs> and so like, it's been a while, but it still like started me in the middle of this level. Like, just pretty much went straight into a battle. And I was like, right, how does this work again? <laughs> but I managed to figure it out. And, Joe, you know, I kind of, like, rediscovered, like, why, like, even though I'd never finished it, like, hence why it's in the backlog, I rediscovered why I enjoyed that when it first came out. I still can't quite remember why I dropped off. I don't know if it was just, it was that first year of Switch, so it could well have been that there was just loads of games out. And so I just sort of never got around to finishing it. But I think I'm going to, like, carry on with it from now and like get back into it again because it is the battles are really fun that was a game i picked up for cheap i picked up mario yeah, rabbit's kingdom battle for like 11 pound with all the dlc it was uh last week i think it was seven pound yeah so recently on sale yeah i brought the yeah. gold edition with the dlc which is a little bit more expensive but yeah it does go for fairly cheap and also i did forget that i have actually played it before Right. <laughs> I didn't play it on my own system, but I played it before it was released at uh, at an event at EGX. Oh yeah. Or Insomnia. No, it was Insomnia, yeah. And um uh, I really enjoyed it and the reason I skipped on it was actually because I was playing other games. Yeah, it was first year and there was just something else I was playing which I was addicted to, which I can't remember what it was. Um but yeah, that's that's the reason why I skipped it. I think I think at the first year though there was a lot all in one go. Yeah. And I think some of that could have been spaced out, but I understand why they did it, to try and sell the system as fast as I could. Um, yeah. And it worked. And it worked, yeah, and it did. And I don't mm-hmm. think they should have ever done it any other way, but 
Like it, it could have been spaced out for my reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have, I would have played it if it was the, if it was the next summer. I would have probably played it from start to end. I will get around to playing it. Um, just I need time. Yeah, same. I've got a week off work next week. I'm planning on trying to <laughs> hit hit some of that backlog. So I might try and finish my own abeds. Um, there's a few others I want to dip in. I've not checked out any of the uh, the update for Celeste yet. That's like quite high up there. There's like another hundred levels that they released for free that I really want to have a go at. Um, Astral Chain is another one I'm not finished that I want to get around to as well. That's another one that I'm worried that I'm going to pick back up again and think, oh Christ, I can't remember like what it is I'm supposed to be doing. I- I'm starting it again if I pick it back up. Same with Fire yeah. Emblem because uh, uh, Fire Emblem because I didn't care in the story at all to where I was, so I'm going to have to restart it again and actually try to invest my time in that one. Um, and Astral Chain because I know I just forgot how to play it. Yeah, that's the thing. And you know, I thought, like, oh, yeah, I'll start Astral Chain again because I'm pretty sure I only played it for a couple of hours. And then I remembered that I actually took my girlfriend to get tattooed one day and took my Switch with me. And she said her tattoo was going to take two hours, and I think it took four. And I played Astral Chain for four hours straight, pretty much. So I've put at least half a dozen hours into it already. Mm. So starting again will be quite a bit of a jump back. So I'm not sure. Maybe I just need to... Maybe I'll watch, like, a... A let's play or whatever of the first of like half an hour maybe that's what i need to do with rabbits as well <laughs> Watch yeah the let's play and like jog my memory or maybe i could just beat it up with a different profile or start a different save or something and relearn the mechanics for the first couple levels and then jump into my main save again it, it's okay you can yeah. just start again there's, there's no harm in it i know it's, it seems like such wasted effort though <laughs> but maybe i will maybe i will but i'm i'm definitely i i remembered more or less straight away after I'd lost the first one and restarted the battle again because I got my ass up because I didn't know what I was doing. Once I then knew what I was doing, I did rediscover like, oh yeah, there's a reason why people praise this game and why I praised this game when it first came out. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to sort of dive into that and experience it fully. Maybe maybe I should start it from scratch actually and, and give it a, a fair crack of the whip. Um, that about wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much for listening. If you have done, you can get in touch with us over on Twitter at Village Nintendo. Let us know which games in your backlog you've got round to recently or which ones you're hoping to. And let us know your thoughts on Paper Mario as well because we're all excited about it. Um, be sure to check out the NintendoVillage.com for news, reviews, features, other podcasts. There's a great Nindy show. We've talked about a couple cool indies on the show this week, but you want to check out Nindy Nation because he has all of the best deals and releases and stuff each week fantastic show and if you like all the retro stuff we talk about go and check out nintendo nostalgia obviously as you can guess from the name they get all nostalgic about nintendo things uh thanks again for listening everyone we shall catch you all next week a ta-ra